good morning, friends, fans, and colleagues of uh, Voices of the Sacred Feminine. Thank you for being here with me this morning at this uh, special time and on this special day. Uh, if you're in the United States, um, as I know so many of you are, uh, today is Friday uh, before Memorial Day weekend, and uh, many of us are uh, starting off our long weekend. And I thank you for being with me uh, today and uh, your listener loyalty is the gas in my tank. Um, if you like that um, that little opening music, I want to uh, give kudos to uh, the Reclaiming Group. Uh, they have uh, Reclaiming Campfire songs out there, which um, uh, these chants and songs are uh, used for activism and to raise energy and to weave and spin people together to uh, uh, get out there and uh, make things happen. And the one you were listening to was called Weave and Spin, one of my favorites. So, uh, so check that out, the Reclaiming Campfire songs. Uh, well, I'm so happy today to uh, have with me, uh, calling in from the UK uh, at this special time, uh, aromatherapist uh, Heather Dawn Godfrey. Uh, she's with me this morning to discuss her new book, Essential Oils uh, for Mindfulness and Meditation, uh, Wellness and Well-Being. And uh, we're going to put particular emphasis on uh, how meditation and aromatherapy uh, together can enhance our psychological well-being. And, you know, we'll go beyond the obvious and uh, discuss how the body detects essential oils, how uh, meditation affects the body, uh, what the connection between the practice of meditation and the influence, um, you know, that's instigated through uh, the detection of essential oils actually is. So, um, let me uh, tell you a little bit uh, about uh, Heather uh, before we start our chat. Um, uh, she is an aromatherapist. She's a fellow of the International Federation of Aromatherapists and an aromatherapy teacher. Uh, she's published a number of articles and research papers exploring the benefits of essential oils, such as how they can be applied in the management of AD. HD, and she'll have to tell me what that is. That's not coming to me immediately. Uh, she lives in, uh, in Dorset uh, in the UK, and uh, I certainly appreciate uh, her being with me. Uh, she discovered essential oils in the uh, early 70s when she worked uh, for Robert uh, Tisserand. Uh, she's also a fellow of the IFA and a member of the eight, uh, FHT. She lectured at the University of Salford for a number of years before relocating to Dorset, uh, where she set up her practice, um, uh, a uh in Lyme uh, Regis after completing her book. Uh, and she also runs essential oil-related workshops. Um, and uh, we'll try to remember to mention it at the end of the show, but her websites are aromantique, A-R-O-M-A-N-T-I-Q-U-E dot C-O dot U-K. And her email is heather at aromantique dot uh, C-O dot U-K. And catch that interesting spelling in the play on words uh, rom romantic, A-R-O-M-A-N-T-I-Q-U-E. So, um, Heather, uh, welcome to Voices of the Sacred Feminine. Thank you very much. Um, it's my pleasure to be here participating in your show. Well, um, you know, I you know, I'll be honest. I was uh, I, I was uh, selfishly interested 
and in uh, what you had to say in your wonderful book and in all your research and your uh, life experience uh, working with aromatherapy. Uh, because like so many people these days, um, you know, our lives are filled with anxiety and stress. And uh, I, I think it's probably at an all-time high for most of us uh, because the world out there is so crazy and so many of our lives feel uncertain uh, at times. And uh, we need whatever tools we uh, can get our hands on uh, to help us, um, you know, have a better quality of life and uh, cope with uh, um, you know, some of these outside things that, uh, you know, make us crazy. And um, it, I, fo- I found that this was interesting, uh, combining meditation and aromatherapy. You know, I've thought of them both singly and individually, but I never thought of combining the two. And to be honest with you, full disclosure, I always wondered about aromatherapy, of, about if it was really beneficial or if it was just kind of a new agey gimmick until I walked into an aromatherapy shop one day and I said that to the lady behind the counter. And she said to me, well, think about this. How do you feel when you walk past an open dumpster full of stinky trash? And uh, I kind of instantly got it. You know, um, you know, when our olfactory senses uh, pick up that nastiness, um, it certainly affects us. So, um, you know, we can certainly take that in the opposite direction, can't we? Yes. Yes, I think you've made a very good point there. Um, I think that is, that is the effect that essential oils have on our limbic system um, is, is quite profound. So when we're smelling... An odor, we're picking up the molecules that are uh, vaporizing from the odor, and that odor then creates a sort of a lock and key response within the olfactory bulb, um, where the olfactory little thousands of little hairs will detect that particular um, odor molecule and then send a neural signal to the limbic system within the brain, which is the emotional part of our brain. And this has quite a profound effect on. Uh, on, on our state of mind, our state of mood, our state of emotion. Um, so it can be very so. So essential oils, therefore, can be calming, sedating, uplifting, stimulating. And from the limbic system, via the hypothalamus, um, neural signals are sent to the pituitary gland, which controls our, our endocrine system and our, uh, you know, our hormones, etc. So they have a physiological function. Um, uh, as well so in terms of meditation this is quite a good marriage to have because um, the essential oils can prepare you for meditation so they, they can be calming they can increase your concentration they can increase your alertness they can clear your sinuses so that you can breathe more clearly um, and they can sort of make you feel grounded if you're feeling anxious sometimes we sit to meditate after we've been rushing around and you know it takes us a while to get settled and to focus and to concentrate and essential oils can aid in grounding us quietening us and bringing us into the moment the very act of smelling essential oils draws us to the moment because we're concentrating on what we're doing we're aware of the odor and that awareness brings us into the here and now which is a wonderful starting point to begin to meditate from so they have various um, qualities. Um, no, go ahead. Keep uh, can continue. 
Sorry, I thought you were going to say something that didn't want to interrupt. Okay. Well, I, um, yes. I, I, that... No, go ahead, Heather. Okay, okay. It's the time delay. Um, yes. So, um, so I, I, I learned to meditate many, many, many years ago um, in the early 70s, uh, like you did in those days. <laughs> And um, as part of learning to meditate, I got to know a group of people who were very interested in what we called then alternative living or alternative medicine. Now it's become complementary medicine or integrated medicine, but then it was very, very new um, and considered as an alternative. So this is where I met a lot of very interesting people, including Robert Tisserand and Andrew Lockie, who was a homeopath. And Robert introduced me to essential oils, um, and I became incredibly intrigued and fascinated. Um, I learned about many other complementary therapies as well, complementary medicine practices too, um, but essential oils resonated with my personality, with me, and, and, and I felt that they were the best vehicle I could use um, to support myself and to use as a therapeutic um, modality. Um, so from from that, I've developed my understanding of essentials. I've studied. I've um, I've did a degree at the University of Salford, a complementary medicine and counselling skills, and I married up counselling skills because that works very well with any therapeutic modality that you're practising. Um, and then I did a module, um, a master's module in mindfulness. And it was at that point my 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 thesis for that was um, combining essential oils with meditation, so that one supports the other. So basically, the essential oils, the the um, the olfactory, the limbic response, the hedonistic response of essential oils, influence and help and support the process of meditation. Obviously, meditation is unto itself; um, they they are separate. But because essential oils affect similar areas within the brain, as does meditation when, we are in a, when we're engaging our parasympathetic nervous system and we're calm, there are similar um, sort of mental and physiological responses that are going on within the brain and within the body. And there's a certain overlap between both results. Um, so they seem to work and support each other very well. Yeah, yeah. As you said, they're complementary. They support one another. Um, well, and you know what you were making me think, what um, I started to, I, I apologize, I started to interrupt you and then I kind of pulled back. Um, it, it also makes me think about how smells can trigger our memories or trigger uh, probably uh, negative and positive things. You know, the first thing I thought about is how sometimes I'll wake up in the morning and if I put food in the crock pot the night before when I went to bed and if I wake up to the smell of wonderful food cooking in the crock pot or make it, or, you know, if you're uh, not a vegetarian, you know, the smell of bacon cooking, you know, um, or maybe it's a smell that reminds you of your childhood or some sort of, uh, good or bad, I guess, experience uh, you've had. You know, our um, our olfactory senses, um, I, I think we underestimate them. In fact, you know, I was at a, um, a woman's circle last night, and one of the questions put to the circle was, of your five senses, which one um, is your primary and which one is um, uh, most neglected? 
And by far, 75% of the people said their sense of smell uh, was the one that they neglect. And I'm starting to think that, um, you know, probably we should start thinking about that and uh, not neglect our olfactory senses quite so much. Yes, I think it's a phenomenon of the modern age, and I think um, the... Um, the sense of smell obviously was intrinsic to our survival and so it's very, very strongly embedded in the old part of our brain and it is strongly associated with memory. There's, there's a lot of... Rachel Hurst um, has done a lot of uh, research looking into the memory connection and odour detection and that how that is one of the strongest connections you can have, odour and memory, so that you would smell a, smell an, a scent or an odour um, and it would immediately trigger off memories of what you were doing when you smelt that before. So this can be, it is very conditioning, and that can be positive and negative, as you said. Um, in, in, obviously, in a negative way, if, you, if, if there's a sort of a, an upsetting association, then that um, is going to, to have a sort of a, a, a long-term negative impact, although you can unlearn that. Um, but from um, from a meditative point of view, from using them positively, um, I find that, for example, burning a particular essential oil, um, vaporizing it while I'm meditating, while I'm having that experience, then when I smell that odor later on, I can instantly, I instantly recall the experience of being in meditation. And so that is a very positive connection in that it brings me to that sense of, of uh, the experience, the sense of, the memory of, so that therefore I then automatically start to meditate. Um, so, so that I'm, you know, it, so that, I mean, that, that powerful connection is very, very useful. Um, and as you say, it can work both ways. Um, but then at the same yeah. time, the way that essential oils work is they trigger off their own response as well as the memory response. They trigger off because they have particular qualities. As I said before, they can be stimulating, uplifting. They have very, and it's also very personal. Our sense of smell is extremely personal. What one somebody, what somebody likes, another person will not or may not like or may, may like less. And also because of the memory connection, we can have really happy memories associated with certain smells. So somebody can have a really um, extreme response, uh, whereas somebody else would not. So when I work with clients, for example, um, I, I will select oils according to their to their story, to their history, um, and what I think is is going to be useful for them. But they will select the, uh, from the oils I've chosen. They will select the oils that we will use because their sense of smell is is the best. Is is the one that you know it's going to indicate the closest what is best for them. So. Uh, so there's something idiosyncratic about this, this sense of smell as well. Um, because of all these other factors, you know, we can associate smell with um, the, the essential oils and odors and scents are used in so many um, household products. So sometimes we can associate that smell with a household product like a disinfectant or with certain foods. So... There are many, there are a multitude of associations, but the thing is, is to, I guess, um, select oils that work well for you, and then you can then apply them in the context of meditation. You can apply them for their own qualities and also to calm you down, but also 
to act as a memory later on during the day to remind you to be in that place, to carry on in that in that state of being. So let me ask you. Um, uh, all right. So you've said that this, you know, the smell is very personal. But say, like for our listeners out there who maybe, um, well, they should go get your book for sure, because I'm sure you go into this, uh, you know, in yes. your book. And I'll mention the title again: uh, Essential Oils for Mindfulness and Meditation, Wellness and Well-Being by Heather Dawn Godfrey. Uh, and I'm sure you can get it at all the regular, you know, the normal online places. Um, and uh, but for somebody who doesn't have access to somebody like you, for instance, um, um, do you have like a starting point? I mean, for instance, if, um, you know, you, uh, you know, is, is there a, a, an essential oil to start with, for instance, if you want to tap down your anxiety or if you want to um, give you focus uh, during meditation. Um, you know, I guess what I'm saying is, are some of the essential oils sort of universal in what they can do for you, or do you have to go through this experimentation uh, to find the right one for the right purpose? No, I think both. But, I, yes, yes they, they do have particular qualities that are universal. So, for example, frankincense. Um, is often used in meditation because it slows the breathing down, because it stills, um, it stills anxiety and it increases focus. So um, that's one very famous oil that we use with meditation. Rose is another. Um, you, and uh, lavender is another. Lavender is a balancing oil. But you would... So, so yes, there are oils that have particular qualities. And if you were starting... Um, I've, I've selected 15 oils which I focus on in my book and these oils are all relatively safe to use and they provide a really, really good starting point. They give you a range of different qualities and within that range you would find some that you like or don't like. Um, but they mostly, they're, they're ain't, most of them are ancient oils that have been used for this purpose um, throughout history. Um, they're mentioned in the Bible, they're mentioned in medicinal canons, that were um, written to, to you know several thousand years ago, so they have been they've they've, they've travelled with us through the through the ages. So frankincense, galbanum's another one. Galbanum is what we term a top note, so it tends to be stimulating um, and and it's sort of wakening. Um, rose is is a, a, what I term a base note, so it tends to be calming, although it can be balancing. Um, there are oils such as caduput or peppermint, for example, will clear your sinuses to make it easier for you to breathe and clear your thinking, clear your head so that you're not, your mind isn't racing and you're not as cluttered. So the thing is, is to, I guess, start, I mean, I give you the 15 oils in the book and this provides a really good foundation, a good starting point, and then you would choose um, choose a particular one that you, are, you feel attracted to because of its qualities, um, become familiar with the odor, and then choose another one, become familiar with that odor, become familiar with the way it makes you feel. And then in that way, you're, you're using both the theory um, and your own personal experience of your response to the oil to help guide you. Um, I trust that it, it gives a good starting point. 
Right, right. Uh, well, you said something, um, and let me kind of go back to that. Um, you said that you, uh, in your book, you give us 15 starter essential oils uh, that are mm-hmm. safe. Now, when you said that, you know, my ears perked up because I wonder, does that mean some might not be as safe to use? Or are there uh, some essential oils out there that we have to, you know, be cautious before we use? Yes, there are. Um, uh, essential oils are, at the end of the day, um, a collection of odifer- odiferous chemicals. They are chemical extracts from the plant, and they are highly, highly concentrated. So they are skin irritants. Um, they can cause sensitization. They, the chemicals of certain essential oils can interact with medication, if you're taking medication as well. So I never recommend taking essential oils internally. You can take them internally, but it, they need to be prescribed by a biomedical practitioner, a herbalist, somebody who has knowledge of the body's physiology and how chemicals um, react and respond with each other within the body. So as a lay person, I would say don't take them internally. Um, so we use them externally. So the oils I've chosen for my 15 are the ones that are the least um, irritant and the least sensitizing. All essential oils potentially can be irritants um, because, of their, because of their very nature. The term oil is misleading. They are, in fact, very drying to the skin and also very drying to the mucous membrane, so they can cause... Um, mucus, mucus membrane in the in the um, respiratory system, they can irritate the mucous membrane. So they need to be used with consideration and care. So this is one of the reasons why I grouped together these 15 oils because they they are not completely hazard free um, f- for those very reasons. But they are the least hazardous and they interfere least with medication, for example, um, and they are relatively safe to to use as a starting point but at the same time they they all have really incredibly invaluable qualities and collectively they give you a pharmacopoeia um they give you everything that you need you will you, you know you will have a foundation if you want a first aid foundation and a, a wellness foundation just with those 15 oils you can you can build up and you can select others but they give you a good starting point and that was the whole point of writing the book was to to offer that um, to enlighten people about how to use them um, and you know the different ways that you can apply them safely Um, and also from a teaching point of view um, the information within the books gives you a, a, a learning foundation so that the language that we use and all the information you have enables you to um, carry on your learning properly um, so I try not to trivialize, because there's a lot of trivialization around essential oils, which gives the impression that they can just be used um, all over the place, willy-nilly, um, splashed on the skin or, or whatever, but actually they can't. So it's a dangerous misperception that's given when we trivialize the use of essential oils. They are chemicals. Um, they can be used therapeutically, and they can be used, to, you know, to... In- very positively, and they are beautiful, and they are a lot of fun to, to use. But like everything, we need to respect them, and um, also respect ourselves. 
and the way that we use them. Okay. Okay, um, we are going to take a quick break here, and um, uh, because uh, uh, I have a word here from uh, Joe Carson, um, especially for those of you who feel called by the fairy faith, uh, I want you to listen closely to what I'm about to play for you. Uh, this is about Joe Carson's book, Celebrate Wildness. Uh, and when we come back, um, we will continue our uh, conversation, Heather. Thank you. Okay. Celebrate Wildness has practical instructions on how to make your own fairy ring henge, how to magically restore any place to its original wild harmony, how to feel the shapes of the earth as if they really are a part of your own body, and even how to initiate yourself into the Ferraferia path. From early Ferraferia member, John Beggs. What a beautiful, inspired, and inspiring book this is. The text is a delight, augmenting, interpreting, and celebrating the drawings as a singer sometimes adds another dimension of understanding to a musical composition. It has the glow, glory, and joy of a masterpiece. Celebrate Wildness is an oversized, hardbound book on heavy paper. It is written by filmmaker Joe Carson, who made the film Dancing with Gaia. You can get it for $45 from the Ferraferia website at ferraferia.org. That's F-E-R-A-F-E-R-I-A dot org. Um, Well, Celebrate Wildness is especially for those of you who feel called uh, by the fairy faith, uh, but uh, for everyone else as well. It's a pretty incredible book. Uh, So just to clarify, uh, Joe Carson's magical book, uh, Celebrate Wildness, is available only at ferraferia.org. And I'll spell that for you, F-E-R-A-F-E-R-I-A dot org. So, um, Heather, getting back to uh, essential oils, um, you know, to enhance uh, meditation and our and our well-being and uh, and mindfulness. Um, you know, you were you were just talking about how, after all, they are chemicals. And um, uh, I guess I want to ask, uh, I know as someone who has been in uh, shops that sell these things, um, is there a way to know? Um, you know, which brands are better or, um, you know, if you're getting the real thing. I know sometimes I've been hesitant, and I don't know if, if you can answer that, but, um, you know, I, uh, let's give it a shot. Okay, this this is quite a deep question. There's, there's the short answer and the long answer. Um, it, it's quite difficult because the market is flooded with, with many companies uh, and because it's become so vogue and so popular, um, obviously you're going to get a plethora of, of people selling essential oils. So I agree it's very difficult to know. So the short answer, I always think, is to find your own reputable supplier, somebody you can trust, somebody you know um, will will be honest with you and who, who can provide um, organic and ethically sourced essential oils. Uh, it's very that that's that's very important to develop a trust with the supplier. Um, then the, the 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 other thing would be perhaps to buy from locally buy locally sourced essential oils from from, from people who extract and distill essential oils that you know. Um, but then beyond that, there there are more 
complicated um, indicators. So there are certain qualities that you want, um, you, you look out for. So, for example, um, you know, is, is, the, is the essential oil st stored in a brown or amber or blue bottle? Because clear bottles don't filter UV light, and so therefore they, the essential oil in a clear bottle will be deteriorating. Um, is the bottle sealed with a dropper cap to stop it to stop evaporation? Um, is there a sell-by date, a use-by date? Does the label? The label is also very important because um, there are so many different variations, you know, of, of essential oils because it's become again because it's become popular. Um, the, the the term aromatherapy or um, essential oil is sort of stuck on almost everything, you know, to try and sell. A product, uh, but it doesn't mean to say that that product is pure or, or does have authentic organic essential oils. So always read the label. The label should say that that whatever's contained within that brown or blue bottle, with the lid firmly on, um, contains 100% pure natural essential oil. Um, check the um, use-by date. That's important because. Um, uh, they, um, essentials have a shelf life of about two years if they're not opened. Um, they do, because they oxidize, they don't last forever. So they do have a limited period um, before they start to become, um, to deteriorate and become um, irritants. So if you purchase an essential oil, once you open the bottle, um, if it's a citrus oil like mandarin or lemon or orange, you need to use that oil up within six months and if it's any other oil once the bottle's opened within 12 months so as a starting point you need to be able to see the um, use by date on the bottle that's usually an indication of, of the quality of the supplier um, there's yeah so batch numbers are another thing to, to check for so all of these things will tell you whether that is an authentic genuine um, essential oil you don't want to be buying essential oils that have been stored on brightly lit shelves or in very warm environments because heat and essential oils don't work well together. Heat causes the essential oil, even with the lid on, to begin to break down, to, to oxidize within the bottle. Um, so, so really, it, it, so it, let me it's ask you. Trusting. So, um, yes. so Heather, let me ask you. So you can't really uh, trust your sense of smell. Um, and I'm thinking for myself. I have a nice, you know, I was give, I was gifted a box of probably 10 or 12 essential oils. Um, life mm -hmm. has been crazy the last year. I had every intention mm -hmm. to use them, and I and I never got around to it. Um, I don't think there's an expiration uh, date on any of these. I can't trust my sense of smell if I open the bottle and they still smell good. Um, I, if, if I know they're probably over a year or two old, um, I should probably just toss them, even if they still have a good smell? It, well, again, this depends uh, on how often you've opened the bottle and whether they're base notes or top note oils. So, for example, um, citrus oils are top note oils because they're the most volatile. So they um, deteriorate the, the most rapidly. Base notes, um, such as well, such as rose, as I explained before, vetiver, um, uh, uh, oxidize more slowly. Therefore, they they don't become irritant as quickly. Um, 
and it, de- it yeah, so it depends on the type of oil and how often you open the bottle, how they've been stored. So the ideal way to store essential oils is in a cool, dark place, um, replacing the lids every time you've finished using them so that you prevent and slow down oxidization. Um, so the answer would be it would depend on which oils you have. Top notes, definitely citrus oils, definitely don't use after, after six months if they've been opened because they are highly prone to cause skin irritation if you put them on your skin. And also the other thing with applying essential oils is we always put them into an emollient to protect the skin, so a vegetable oil, a cream, a lotion. We don't put them directly on the skin. Um, but, yes, so but the sense of smell is usually a good indication. You can usually tell because of the way that you're responding to the essential oil. So often an essential oil that is over-oxidized will cause a stinging effect um, in your mucous membrane. Um, or they could just smell slightly weak or off. Um, but I, as a rule of thumb, I mean, like you, I, you know, I would probably gauge according to how the oil smells. Um, but as a rule of thumb, um, because not everybody has has the the, um, the, the, the I suppose the experience of what an oil should smell like. Um, to know, a rule of thumb would be once the bottle's opened, use it and discard it within two years. Um, so, what about you're you're talking about you're talking about using them on your skin, but what about mm-hmm. using it in a diffuser? Um, is using yeah. it in a diffuser? Are there different rules for that? I mean, can, will can you use the oil longer or? Uh, is it a better yeah. or uh, or less yeah. effective effect if you use a diffuser? No, it, yeah. Again, it depends on the on the oil and and uh, it, obviously when you're using a diffuser, you're going to be inhaling them. You're inhaling the molecules in the air. Um, in terms of therapeutic um, effect, it's going to influence the limbic system, and the limbic system is very very little to trigger a response. You don't have to have vast amounts. It only just needs, even a very subtle, barely detectable amount will trigger a response in your limbic system. If you're diffusing them in the room, you'd close the windows and doors to, con- to contain the vapors because obviously they're going to disappear very quickly. They don't last for very long. Probably 30 minutes after you first start diffusing the oil, you've lost the, the, the bulk of that oil, the bulk of the therapeutic um, qualities of that oil would have gone and dissipated into the atmosphere. In terms of oils that are old, and, and um, going back to that, um, it depends on which oil. Again, citrus oils could possibly irritate your mucus, your nose, um, and your eyes. I burnt by accident. I um, picked up a bottle of basil, for example, um, and I didn't look at the label properly and the date. And this is from my old stock. And I was going through all my oils and separating them out, doing this process of, um, you know, which ones will I keep, which ones will I discard. And I put a couple of drops of the basil that I intended to discard because it was quite old. I mean, it was a couple of years at least old. And I put it into my diffuser. And then within moments, my eyes were stinging and watering. And I was just really, you know, it was a good experiential um, sort of event for me because it brought it home to me um, because obviously I would never do that deliberately to experiment but it was an inadvertent experiment and I realized um, you know that yes they you know how much they can become irritant um, if they are old and oxidized 
So um, the answer to your question is yes, they, they do work therapeutically diffused in the atmosphere, and that's a wonderful way to use them for, for meditation. Um, but we, we do need to use fresh, um, carefully stored essential oils um, for whatever circumstance that we're using them within. So let me ask you this. Um, I, I uh, had a little desktop diffuser uh, when I was mm. still working last year, um, and, I, and I worked in a terribly volatile and um, um, anxiety-producing office. And I was mm. going to put the little uh, diffuser on my desk and use some essential oils for calm and uh, you know something that would you know tap down anxiety. Um, uh, can that work? I mean, because you just said a moment ago, it'll pr- the scent will only maybe last 30 minutes. Um, uh, you know, does uh, you know? Because I know, like with the little diffusers, they usually come with a little, like a little fabric ring, or you have the, you know, you you can put a, a piece of cotton that you've dipped in the essential oil in the diffuser. You know, that's another way to use them. Um, do you have to figure that after 30 minutes, um, it's really not having any effect anymore? And can something like that really um, kind of, um, you know, work in, in an environment like that if you have permission to do something like that at your desk? Yeah, I think permission, that's, that's a good point because we do need to check with the people around us whether they like the smell because we come back to that personal um, sense and not everybody likes what we like. So it's always when you're working in a community environment to it's worth checking out that everyone's okay with the smell. But in terms of uh, diffusing, yes, that the, the, the essential won't last very long, but then you can replenish it. So you put two or three drops on to start with, and then once it's become faded and it's, it's sort of dis- dis- uh, dissipated, you can add a couple more drops. Um, and, yes, it does have an effect. Um, they have a profound effect on mood and emotion. Um, and as I said, if you're smelling the essential oil, that means the molecules have reached your olfactory bulb, which means that they have triggered off a neural response into your limbic system so that that will then have a direct consequence on your mood and your emotion and your feeling. Um, so they can, you know, they can raise a low mood, for example. Um, th- you know, they can m- make you feel calm and grounded if there's a lot of anxiety around um, so vetiver, for example, is a very earthy-smelling um, essential. It almost smells slightly burnt, but it's incredibly grounding. And if you were to blend that with, say, a mandarin and perhaps um, another, another, say, a middle note um, like lavender and put them together, you would have a lovely grounding but uplifting blend that would improve your mood and, and improve improve the way that you feel. But the, the, the responses are quite profound. They are really amazing. And, yes, they do work. Um, and they work more efficiently if if you select the oils carefully um, and, um, you know, you, use the oils um, that you particularly like as well because that your nose is a really good indication of what's good and what's not good for you. Um, let's go back to those three. I know you said mandarin and lavender, but what was the first one you mentioned? You said combine those three for grounding yeah. and uplift. I didn't quite catch the first one that you said. Okay, that's vetiver. It comes. It's it, it's a it's a grass, and it's it has a a very um, it's quite strong, um, and it smells almost 
not slightly burnt, but it's quite a rich smell, and it lingers because it's a bass note. Um, it will linger quite for, for quite some time, even on the tissue, and um, even after all the other oils have disappeared, you will still smell traces of the vetiver. Um, and it's the same with rose as well. Rose lingers and lingers and lingers. So when all the top notes have left and the middle notes have gone, um, you will still have the odour lingering. So you can have a lovely sort of background um, smell too that lingers on in the room. Um, yes, so other other base notes would be, for example, ylang ylang. Um, that's a very, very deeply floral um, essential oil, but it's very, very... Um, uplifting and anti-depressing and anti-anxiety. My favourite anti-anxiety oil is always frankincense. Um, uh, yes, yeah, so I, 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 spikenard's another essential oil that I've got on my list. Um, that's another base note, and that comes from the same family as valerian. So it has similar qualities in terms of calming anxiety um, and aiding um, and supporting somebody who's feeling depressed. Um, and also aiding somebody to relax um, and to go to sleep at night as well. Now, the spike nord, um, that's not one you see around you often, is it? And isn't that um, the essential oil that, uh, as the story goes, Mary Magdalene used on Jesus' feet? Yes, yes. Yes, and she, she probably used the root um, because, um, in, in you know, before we had all the equipment that we have, um, I mean, essential oils have been distilled after a fashion for thousands of years. Um, but yes, it's a biblical oil, um, and it's it's um, it's an oil that's used for you know in the context of prayer and meditation. Um, it's a cleansing oil as well. So it does yes, it does have that um, correlation with Mary Magdalene, but she probably would have used the root and the herb as well steeped in the water, um, because that's one way that the oils were used, that, that's one way that the essential oils were extracted from the plant material. They were, they were steeped in um, an oil, usually fat or animal fat, and the essential oil molecules would permeate into the fat of the oil. Um, and then the, uh, the plant material was taken away, but the essential oils were left within the oil or the, or the water, whatever medium was used to soak out the essential oil. And then that medium, that oil, that water was then used in, you know, to bathe, um, for cleansing, um, in ointments, etc. So, yes, um, Mary would have used that, a very special, very sacred oil. Um, so in your book, you said that there are 15 essential oils that you um, kind of give us a foundation. Um, do you want to name just a few of them and maybe what their sort of universal use is for? Okay, um, yeah. So there's um, so they break down into three groups. There's 15. And so I have um, how uh, you put... Um, Cyprus, um, oh, Mandarin. Um, I'm just trying to have to remember them all myself. Um, lavender, um, well, just, what, just what comes to you. Just what comes to you. It doesn't yes. have to be precise. Okay. Um, so yeah. So 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 the the um, yeah. So Kajiput um, is, is from the same family as tea tree. So that's a very stimulating oil. Um, carrot seed is one of my middle notes, and that's 
a, a really, really good. Um, I use it um, topically for skin, um, for skincare, but it also is very cleansing, psychically cleansing. So in terms of meditating or preparing yourself or dealing with your own clutter, your own anxiety, all of these oils are very useful for preparing you for meditation, but also just to help you deal with your day-to-day life, um, your day-to-day anxieties, etc. Chamomile, um, both Roman and German, um, again, a very balancing, um, wonderful skincare oil. Um, and then we have mandarin, which is, a, which is a fruit. I like to use green mandarin. That's incredibly uplifting and vitalizing. Um, Petergrain also. Petergrain comes from the wood and the leaves, so, so that the twigs and the leaves of the orange uh, or the bergamot tree. So the bergamot tree or the orange tree, tree yields three types of essential oils, so pettigrain is one, then the fruit is another, so, the, so it could be bergamot, mandarin, orange, um, or even lemon, um, and um, the, the blossom, so the blossom provides a beautiful, rich, deep, narrowly, um, very, very floral, very deeply floral, um, and that is, the, the narrowly is a base note. But that also helps with emotionally. It's emotionally uplifting. Um, so that the, the, in combination, the oils, the oils that I've selected, um, they have two, two, two modes of action. One is therapeutic, so you can use them um, to, to sort of help you get rid of a headache, or to help heal your skin, or to um, you know to use um, um, as a first aid. Um, on a cut or an infection, or you can use them, um, as I say, hedonistically, psycho-emotionally. And psycho-emotionally, they all work very well together, and combining um, three or four of them, you can either create a, a, a blend or an effect that is calming, um, or an effect, effect that is wake, you know, wakens you up, aid your concentration. There's just so many dynamics and so many dynamical ways you can put them together. Um, I'm just thinking of others that I've got in the list. Galbanum I've already mentioned. Frankincense is another one. That's a base note. Um, so, there are, so there are a few that work very, very well together. You've got citrusy notes. You've got floral notes. You've got woody notes within all of those. You've got grass. You've got roots. You've got all you know, the, the basic qualities of scent that you would want anyway from, from, you know, collected together. You've got a, a little sample from each um, within that group so that you can then experiment and get to know these qualities um, and then move on and experiment with others. But this gives you a really good, really good foundation. Okay. And, uh, Heather, do you go, uh, at, you know, I'm not sure, uh, but do you go into, in your book, um, if someone wanted to make their own essential oils? I mean, is it very difficult? Um, or, uh, I mean, do you, yeah. do you? It's, yeah, okay, so not in, not in the first book. Essential Oils for Mindfulness and Meditation focuses obviously on both those subjects, and I pick out, um, there's the 15 oils, and I also focus on the psycho-emotional influence because that correlates with meditation. I also include other things to support meditation and well-being. So I've included things like diet and nutrition, exercise, etc. But my second book, 
uh, which is coming out in November, which is essential for the whole body, looks at um, how essential oils um, are, are derived. Um, you, you could make your own, um, but understanding how they come about um, helps you to understand their qualities. Um, it's, it's, you, can, uh, you can create a, a, a simple... Um, distillation process for yourself and it's too, too it's difficult to explain now and you also need to do it quite safely because it involves boiling water and creating steam so you, it would need to be done um, carefully but yes you can um, distill your own oils but you would only get a very 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 minute amount um, really um, commercially um, they're using you know hundreds of pounds of um, plant material to um, extract um, just ounces of um, essential oils, so your yield would be very, very small. But you could experiment and and, and make them yourself. Um, but certainly okay. in, in, in yeah. Um, so you know, I didn't ask you. Um, I, I didn't ask you about you, and I want to do that before we go. Um, we have about. Uh, Seven minutes left. Um, uh, was you know how did this come about for, uh, for you? I mean, how did you get into this? What inspired you to write the book? Oh, okay, yes. Um, well, as I explained before, I've, I've known about essentials from for, for many, many, many years, and I've um, I taught at the University of Salford, and as part of the process of teaching and and also treating, because I have a clinic as well, I've devised lots and lots and lots of notes. And, and I've done a lot of, lot of research. And so the idea behind the, the book was to draw together all of that information so that I could share that. Um, because I teach, but, I, you know, obviously each group I teach, I, you know, when I was teaching formally at the university, I would have perhaps 30 students. When I teach privately, it's, it's fewer. But I'm reaching a handful of students each time I teach, you know, have a lesson with them. But the idea of the book is to share the knowledge with a wide audience, to be able to enable and to enlighten and inspire, hopefully inspire, as many people as possible, to, to make the information accessible to as many people as possible. So the inspiration really came from my and, students. And do you think your okay. book is different? I mean, um, um, you know, what, uh, you know, why, why is your book different than maybe other books out there on um, essential oils? Okay, there are lots and lots of books, um, and everybody comes from their own perspective. My book is different. This book is particularly different because I am, as you pointed out, marrying both mindfulness, meditation, and essential oils, and we're looking at how how they co-relate together and how, how each can support the other. So that does make it quite unique. Um, the, my, my other books, because I, also because I have this very in-depth knowledge of essential oils and I've done quite a lot of research, I wanted to create books that weren't patronizing, that weren't trivializing, that didn't, you know, that the language was sound, that all the information I give, um, so I'm using Latin names, um, I'm, you know, explaining, um, how, you know, where essentials come from, um, without using airy fairy language, so that it, it creates um, a really good sound um, foundation on which, because you've got the terminology and the understanding expressed within the book, you can then go forward and do your own research and, and you know, develop your own learning because you know the Latin name, 
um, because you know their qualities um, properly. So the books, as far you know, that they are they're for the lay person, but they're aimed at creating a sound learning foundation as well, with the correct terminology, the correct knowledge. Um, yes. So again, it was my, the teacher in me wanting to share. Well, I think it's I think it's pretty clear from our conversation today. You definitely know your stuff. Um, I mean, all the different areas we went into and touched on, and uh, uh, I mean, there is a deep, deep, deep well of information in you, and it certainly comes out uh, uh, in your book, uh, Essential Oils for Mindfulness and Meditation. Um, so, Heather, as we wrap things up, um, is there anything you wanted to share about the book or the essential oils or meditation that uh, you know I didn't think to ask you today, but you that but you think might benefit listeners. I think you've been very thorough in what you've asked me. And I and I guess that, the, that anything that I would want to say would be have some fun experiment but do it you know, do it safely. I give you the tools in my book to apply essential oils safely and effectively so that you can enjoy them. Um so that you can experiment. Um they are um, they are delightful to use, and this is why I find them such a, such wonderful healing modalities as well, because they're extremely engaging. They, you know, that they, they all these wonderful uplifting qualities and grounding qualities. I keep going on and on about that, but it has such. They have such a profound effect. They're very simple but very profound. So yes. So my message would be, have a go, enjoy it, you know, and use, let my books guide you so that you can use them appropriately. Um, and use them to their fullest. Um, yes, I hope that's. I hope that that and that is something I achieve. <laughs> Um, I think so, and uh, you know, I think this is a a reminder to uh, pay attention to our sense of smell, you know, our olfactory senses, because it uh, it can be another tool for us. I mean, you think about how you felt maybe uh, when you walked into um, uh, an aromatherapy shop, or uh, maybe kind of a new age shop that sold you know aromatherapy products among other things. You know, you just have this sense of well-being, and you want to kind of linger there. And uh, and I'm sure they know exactly what scent to diffuse into the air to uh, uh, create that um, uh, emotional response from their customers, don't they, Heather? <laughs> I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But um, yes, but I, um, you'll find that most essential oils are are they're all, they're they're all they're all wonderful. I find it really hard to choose which are my favourite um, because they they all have different dynamics. So um, definitely, you know, the power's in your hand. I'm tr- I'm trusting that my books will empower um, the reader to, to to explore and to use essential oils and and to find out for themselves and to have a great deal of fun as well. Yeah, and and I think to remember that what works for one person doesn't work for another because, um, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, some of my wonderful experience in some of these shops that would, um, you know, have these scents uh, in the air. Mm -hmm. I would just think they were glorious and wanted to kind of linger there. Uh, You know, sometimes my husband would have to run out of the shop and wait for me out (laughs) on the sidewalk because he just couldn't stand it, you know. Um, so, so it is. 
is. You know, it is uh, It is very personal. Um, well, Heather, uh, why don't you mention your websites again, and, uh, you know, for listeners that maybe want to know more. And, um, and, you know, it might be obvious, but just for the heck of it, if you want to list, you know, if you want to say something about your social media links or where uh, the book can be purchased, uh, please go ahead. Um, you know, now's the wrap-up. Okay, so I've, I have got a website, and on that website I do have little bits of snippets of information um, that that would sort of help you get started. So www.aromantique.co.uk, um, and um, my, my mind has just gone completely blank. <laughs> um, I, oh, my, <laughs> it's so you have here. a Facebook page. You have a uh, what's your Facebook page? The Facebook page is, um, it, I've got uh, one under Aromantique as well, um, but I also have one under my own name, um, Heather Dawn Godfrey. So you can access either or um, through either my name. The same with uh, finding out about the book. Um, if you uh, type in Aromantique, if that's a bit complicated because it is an unusual name, um, just type in my name and um, the book or the book title. Um, and you will come up with a whole list of suppliers. But Barnes & Noble, or Amazon, um, obviously Inner Traditions, who have published the book, they can also supply them for you. Um, but they are online on all all of the, the major, and all of the small ones as well, outlets. Um, so they are um, they are quite easy to, to get hold of. Um, and okay. I'm sure any, any and, book... And one last thing... Yeah, any any bookstore can can get the get the book, which is yeah. again yeah. essential oils for mindfulness, meditation, and well-being by Heather Dawn Godfrey. Um, and Heather, before I let you go, um, I realize this might be different in the UK where you are versus a lot of my listeners who are in the US, but maybe not, especially with you know Amazon and you know being able to buy stuff online. Um, do you have a couple sellers uh, companies that you trust? Um, that you feel okay to uh, mention that might give uh, listeners a starting point on a reliable supplier? Well, I go back to my publisher, um, Inner Traditions, um, definitely. I I can't really vouch for anybody else because I'm not sure how they work. Um, And obviously a local bookshop. Um, So if you go to a local bookshop, they will have... No, 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 no. Wait, I'm no, sorry. no, Heather, I'm not talking about the book. I'm, I'm talking about to get the essential oils, an essential oil oh, I'm supplier. Oh, so sorry. Sorry, I misheard that. Sorry about that. Essential oil companies. Okay. Um, I do have, and I'm, I'm, I think they're in America as well, but the, oils, the oil companies I use, um, like I said before, go for uh, companies that will give you all the information you need, safety data sheets that sell ethically sourced essential oils, um, and organic essential oils. So I use uh, NHR Organic Essential Oils and Oshadi Essential Oils. Those are my two favorites. There are lots of others, Fragrant Earth. I'm not sure about um, suppliers in America, um, but I know that Oshadi and NHR Organic Essential Oils do, do have outlets in America as well, um, and you can buy online from them. Um, as I say, Fragrant Earth is another one. Tisserand oils is another one, um, but my 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 go-to trustworthy two companies at the moment are Ashadi and um, NHR Organic, um, because the, I know okay. that they, I know that they vouch for their oils. 
Wonderful, wonderful. Well, Heather, I have enjoyed uh, talking to you. You've been incredibly uh, informative today, and um, you know your book. Uh, I imagine how much wonderful stuff is in your book. Uh, you know, if uh, you know, we you had so much to say. Um, you know, and, and so much information to share just in this short interview. Um, so I thank you uh, for enlightening me and uh, my audience uh, with uh, uh, the benefit of all your years of. Um, uh, of, of research and experience. Um, so good luck with the book. Uh, again, Essential Oils for Mindfulness, Meditation, and Well-Being. And uh, thank you so much for, uh, for calling in from the UK and being on the show tonight. Thank you very much for inviting me. I've really enjoyed it. And I've, really, I've enjoyed getting to know you too because I wouldn't normally get to meet people. Um, so, this is, so the book has actually led me to meet some very, very lovely people, and you've just become another one. So thank you. Well, and listen, when your other book comes out, uh, you know, if you think about it, don't hesitate to get in touch, and uh, we'll do another interview about the new book, okay? That would be lovely. Okay, but I've, I've been very, very much enjoyed participating, so thank you again for inviting me. Okay. All right, then. Goodbye, and uh, have a wonderful weekend and a wonderful summer, and uh, uh, I wish you well with your book and all your other endeavors and workshops. Thank you very much, and the same to you as well, because you're a very busy lady, too. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Heather. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, um, before we go on to the next thing, uh, here's a clip uh, from the trailer for Joe Carson's film, uh, Dancing with Gaia. Uh, This is something new. You don't want to miss it. Let me say a few things about Joe Carson's film, Dancing with Gaia, an exploration of Earth-based spirituality shot at sacred sites around the world. Here is Drusilla Pettibone on Dearmist.com. I was truly touched and even awed by the film. I really appreciate that there is so much substantive information to digest. For example, the info about hinges and tracing the horizon line is all new to me and totally fascinating. The film was very beautiful, and I was amazed how it was able to capture so many of the descriptions visually and seamlessly connect vintage footage with modern. I especially loved when images were dynamically superimposed on each other, like the lace with the water and the dancing in the flowering meadow. A visual feast, and with so many layers. I am also pleased to have been introduced to Monica Shu and her work. It's so important for pagans to become aware of our heritage. It seems easily lost among so many new books, and the film really brought me home in a new way. Dancing with Gaia is available at dancingwithgaia.com. And just a reminder, Dancing with Gaia is available only at dancingwithgaia.com. 
Well, I uh, just want to remind uh, listeners out there that I will be with you uh, next Wednesday, and my guest is Alessandra uh, Bologna. Uh, maybe many of you know her, uh, associated with the Black Madonna and um, the, the healing and drumming and dance traditions uh, of Southern Italy that uh, uh, she has become uh, famous for, um, you know, these healing trance dances. Well, she's got a book out now uh, called uh, Healing Journey. Journeys with the Black Madonna, Chants, Music, and Sacred Practices of the Great Goddess. Uh, she'll be with me Wednesday, uh, so you want to definitely tune in or um, make sure um, you know you you mark your calendar to uh, uh, to go back to the archives. And just a reminder, so that you don't uh, miss what's going on here at Voices of the Sacred Feminine. Uh, if you go to my show page on Blog Talk, uh, Voices of the Sacred Feminine at Blog Talk. There's a follow button there, which you can click, uh, simple to do, and um, you will get a notice about an hour, I think, before uh, every episode, of, uh, and will tell you what the show is going to be about. And if you don't want to listen, well, you can just delete it. Uh, but if you do want to listen, you can save that email and uh, go back to it uh, when you have time to listen. Uh, maybe you want to do that when you're washing clothes or cooking dinner or uh, sitting back with a glass of tea, a glass of wine, or a cup of tea, uh, and just tune in because it makes it really easy. You can just click right there on the email, and it will take you right to the show. Uh, so you definitely want to uh, hit that follow button. And um, if you've uh, missed this new information, um, some of you have said you've had trouble reaching me. Uh, when I moved in December, I lost my website, my old email address. Uh, so if you want to reach me now, uh, please take note of my new website. It is karentate.net, karentate.net. Uh, my old website, karentate.com, was lost, and now it is controlled by someone in Cambodia. And uh, to get it back, I would have to pay ransom, and I just won't do that. Uh, so I started fresh. I took it as a message from the universe to start fresh. And uh, uh, now that all the work is done and the new website is built, um, I am much happier with it. I think it better reflects who I am and what I do and what I think and care about. And I invite you to go look at it, uh, KarenTate.net. Uh, from there, you will be able to see the classes I teach and uh, uh, you will see the books that I've written or the anthologies I've curated. You'll be able to uh, sign up for my newsletter, uh, Dancing at the Edges with Karen Tate. And it will also take you to my radio show here. So it's kind of like one-stop shopping. Uh, the other thing I'd just like to say to toot my own horn a little bit, because uh, I don't usually talk about my own books very much. Since we're about ready to uh, go into the summer and people are starting to plan their vacations, I want to remind you of my first book. Uh, there is still nothing out there like it between two covers, if I dare say so myself. Uh, Sacred Places of Goddess, 108 Destinations. Uh, it covers goddess sites all around the world. Uh, many of these places were very difficult to find and to reach, and uh, uh, but uh, I went there with uh, either my husband or uh, you know a group of uh, folks that we would take on sacred journeys. Um, and uh, besides writing about the sacred sites in the book, uh, there's something in there called Gaia Alerts. It talks about 
uh, places, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, may be endangered or, um, and also other interesting tidbits about the sites, you know, maybe talks about the Queen of Sheba or Mary Magdalene. Uh, so there's more in it besides travel. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's really a good foundation for someone, um, I think, who, uh, whether they be new or um, um, well-versed in uh, the sacred feminine. But my point is... Um, you can use this to plan your own uh, sacred journeys, uh, especially if you're in the United States. Uh, I didn't realize it actually till after I wrote the book. It wasn't planned this way. Uh, but you can use that book to plan your own West Coast pilgrimage. Uh, you can go up and down the West Coast finding one sacred site of goddess after another um, uh, because obviously I was the most you know, familiar with that um, and I wanted something uh, that would be really great for people in the United States who maybe didn't have the, uh, the you know, monetary ability to travel to Europe or Australia or India or, uh, you know, these in Middle East, you know, these faraway places. I wanted them to see all the sites in the United States uh, that they could also travel to. Uh, so the book does cover the globe. Um, it's a global goddess travel book, but you can uh, also use it very easily uh, to you know, take a week, 10 days going up and down the West Coast uh, finding sacred places of goddess. And I would highly recommend it, obviously. Uh, so please go to my website, uh, karentate.net, and you can see my other books. Uh, there's the award-winning uh, Walking an Ancient Path, Rebirthing Goddess on Planet Earth. Uh, there's Goddess Calling, uh, which is inspirational messages and meditation of sacred feminine uh, liberation theology. And if that sounds uh, complicated. It's really not. Uh, what it's really saying is these meditations and messages uh, help uh, set us free from our conditioning from patriarchal society. Uh, and there's also the three anthologies that are there. The new one came out uh, at the end of 2018. Uh, the three anthologies there are what I like to call uh, the Manifesting a New Normal Trilogy. Uh, so take a look at all of that. And um, if you want signed copies of any of these, you can actually get them from me. Uh, you can email me at karentate108 at yahoo.com. That is a new email address. KarenTate108 at yahoo.com. Uh, and if you're in the United States, um, uh, I can make these very affordable for you and uh, mail them to you and sign them to you personally. Uh, unfortunately, if you're outside the United States, uh, the postage is just prohibitive. And I would have to say, you know, go to an online bookseller uh, for your country, and that's the, the uh, least expensive way for you to get the books. Um, I do have a Facebook page, uh, Karen Tate. Uh, there's also a Facebook page for a number of my books uh, and the radio show here, Voices of the Sacred Feminine. Uh, there's a Goddess Calling and a, um, a Sacred Places of Goddess and a uh, Walking in Ancient Path uh, Facebook page. Um, I'm not really into Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I have enough going on uh, just to keep up with uh, uh, you know, Facebook and uh, my, um, you know, my radio show and uh, my own projects these days. But I do love hearing from you. 
Uh, it means a lot when you reach out and, uh, you know, we uh, ch- can chat about things that you've heard on the show. Uh, I love to know that the show makes a difference in your life. It's gas in my tank uh, because you may or may not know I don't make money doing this. I pay for the show to be on the air. Uh, it comes out of my own pocket. Uh, to uh, keep this show going and bring the uh, wisdom of my wonderful guests to you. Uh, So this is not a moneymaker for me. It is a service to the community. So uh, as I said, hearing from you is gas in my tank. So please um, don't hesitate to uh, send me an email, karentate108 at um, yahoo.com. Uh, and because I love uh, the Reclaiming's um, Campfire chant so much, uh, I'm going to go ahead and close the show today with one. Uh, now, I opened the show with um, Weave and Spin, which is uh, one of my favorites. Um, but I am going to let you listen to uh, Sweetwater, which is another one of the Reclaiming Campfire songs. And these are designed to bring people together uh, to sort of inspire, um, uh, you know, uh, activism um, or or just to uh, help you raise energy at your rituals uh, and and in your groups. So, uh, So look them up, the Reclaiming Campfire songs. And this one is called Sweetwater. Um, enjoy it. Uh, have a wonderful weekend, a wonderful summer, and don't forget to be back next Wednesday when I speak to Alessandra Baloney. Okay, and here's uh, Sweetwater by Reclaiming.